I'm Lauren Berry, and this is Odyssey's On Deadline podcast, where we explore top stories out of our radio newsrooms across the country. Today, we're looking at an age-old question, literally. Just how old is too old to serve in politics? With the last two United States presidents both being the oldest in the nation's history, many are wondering if a younger face might be better suited to serve as the leader of the free world. Since taking office, President Joe Biden has been questioned about his age. Biden was 78 when he took office, a year older than the current GOP frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, is today. If Biden is elected again in 2024, he'll be 86 by the time the term is over. He's fallen off his bicycle, tripped and fallen on a stage, and had numerous verbal gaffes. Some say that's just what happens when everything you say and do is under a microscope. Others say it proves that Joe Biden is too old to serve. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who hopes to be the GOP nominee for president herself, has run her campaign on the promise of age limits for the nation's elected officials. Age is an issue even for supporters of the current frontrunners for the nomination, Biden and Trump. 77% of adults in a recent AP NORC poll said that Biden is too old to effectively serve for four more years. 89% of Republicans held that view compared to 69% of Democrats. As for Trump, just over half of all adults in the poll said that he was too old for another term. 71% of Democrats held that view and 28% of Republicans did. Josh Skako, an expert in political communication at the University of South Florida, joined Odyssey to discuss presidential age as a growing concern among Americans. What do you make of this finding, and will this poll really matter in this presidential election where people might say, yes, Joe Biden may be 80, but I don't like Donald Trump and vice versa? So I think that there are two things going on here. With the poll itself, it will be a question of, is this something that actually prevents, actively prevents individuals from voting to reelect the president? Is it something that will actually matter to them when you stack it up against other issues and other concerns that voters might have? And then the second is when you actually do a head to head between Biden and someone like Donald Trump, does that issue potentially wash out because you have uh, Donald Trump roughly a few years younger than Joe Biden? So I think both of those dynamics there will be really important to understanding what does this mean long term for the president? You know, you look around today and you look at Washington and you see a lot of older people and you look at state government, you're seeing a lot of older people. And you, we always hear that we need young blood, uh, new ideas, fresh faces. And yet the older generation, especially nowadays, seems like it's just not going to go anywhere. Uh, eventually that has to change. But why this holdout? So in a lot of ways, politics and the sort of mechanisms that are necessary for running for politics and things really do favor those individuals who potentially have a bit more time, a bit more flexibility in their lives, a bit more money. And all of those things are also correlated with age in a lot of ways. And so you can look at those particular factors as understanding why older individuals might get elected to political office. On the other, on the, the other component there as well is voters evaluate experience as a really critical issue, particularly for 
offices like the presidency of the United States. It's actually a big expectation that individuals have of their president that they're experienced. And that's precisely what you see from someone like Joe Biden in terms of messaging. Uh, Joe Biden has been leaning into that experience messaging and talking about what he has done. Very similar to if we flash back to the 1984 race when Ronald Reagan, who was also older, was running for re-election, he essentially accused uh, his opponent of youth and inexperience. And his and his opponent at the time was not necessarily that not necessarily that youthful. Hmm. So as a society, we like a more seasoned, experienced person over someone younger. Or do we just distrust leaders who seem to be too young? It could be it could be both. But I think when we ask individuals and when you look, for instance, at what a lot of the research that's been done on attitudes towards the presidency says, uh, experience is one of those traits uh, as that in, that voters look for, regardless of political party. And so that sort of experience, depending on how it is used, can be really critical. You're also seeing that in a lot of ways in the Republican primary. Donald Trump is using that and leaning into his four years in office as well as president against his rivals, including younger rivals in the Republican in the Republican primary. So how does Congress fare in the age-related question? According to Pew Research, the average age of lawmakers in the House of Representatives is 57.9 years, down from the previous House's average of 58.9 years. In the Senate, the average is 65.3 years, up from 64.8 in the 117th Congress. For reference, in the United States, retirement age is at about 66 years old. Commercial airline pilots can't even fly planes after they turn 65. It's considered too dangerous. The oldest elected officials in Congress come from both sides of the aisle. We've got Senator Dianne Feinstein. She's a Democrat from California, and she's 90 years old. We've also got Senator Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa. He's just a few months behind Feinstein at 89. They were nearing middle school when Joe Biden was born. Nearly high schoolers at Trump's birth. Again, it raises the question, how old is too old to serve? John Krosnick is a professor of communication, political science, psychology, and sustainability at Stanford. He shared more on the subject with Odyssey in San Francisco. When you look at former President Trump, who's in his late 70s, you look at current President uh, Biden, who is, is 80, and it just seems like their parties don't want to publicly call them out, even though it's damaging to them as a party and not to mention, you know, the individual themselves. Well, you know, the, the Senate, just as an example, has Republican Charles Grassley at age 89, Bernie Sanders at 81, Dick Durbin at 78, Ben Cardin at 79. There, there are lots of older folks in there doing their jobs um, at about the same age as Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So again, that chronological age may not be so much the the issue, and it's interesting in some other worlds for people who happen to know. Uh, you know, the the most important jazz bass player alive today and playing just as well as ever is Ron Carter at age 86. The most important jazz pianist alive today, by many accounts, is Herbie Hancock at age 83. Both touring the world and playing beautifully. That you know, the issue here is. Are they doing their jobs? And, um, you know, that's the real question that Americans want to know the answer to. 
Well, it is. And, you know, there's concern about their health. And the problem is, I think once you get into the Senate, once you're a congressman or woman, let alone into the White House, you are surrounded by yes men and women, people who are afraid of their jobs or who just don't want to get caught in the the political crossfire that this uh, conversation tends to to uh, lead. It's true. And it's also true, you know, for younger members of Congress. And John Fetterman uh, obviously is dealing with a cognitive handicap at an earlier age. And that's, I think, as much a concern for him as for Dianne Feinstein. Uh, George Santos, obviously an interesting character. One might wonder whether he is competent to carry out his work. Um, and again, you know, we can we can fo- focus our attention there, um, you know, more so than saying, well, this person seems too old. It's, it's probably worth remembering uh, Senator Strom Thurmond didn't retire until he was 99. Mm-hmm. I, I guess so. What you're saying is there shouldn't be a mandatory retirement age for politicians like there, there is for uh, pilots, even though our cognitive skills, no matter how sharp we are or think we are, do decline as we age. They absolutely do. And a slightly horrifying fact about this is that um, we get cognitively more skilled after we're born up to a maximum. And then we, on average, decline after that. And I'm sorry to tell everyone listening to you today that that uh, peak age is 19. <laughs> oh. so, uh, we're, we're all on the decline. And, uh, you know, the question is, obviously, um, to, to be an important national politician takes experience and judgment. And one can argue that we don't want to artificially terminate the careers of individuals who have great experience and great judgment and credibility um, simply because of chronological age. And the challenge, I think, as you're pointing out, is, well, okay, fine. So then how do we have a test for cognitive skills, <laughs> to be sure that an individual is still functioning well. And I think you're right, that in the end, that's on the individual and those around that person to sort of say, look, it's time. Um, and maybe leadership of the party to do the same. But the problem for leadership of the party is to encourage anybody to retire, except maybe Diane Feinstein, um, is to risk the possibility that the other party would win the seat in a new election, which I assume is the reason for a lot of individuals holding on. Most Americans do support age limits for every branch of the U.S. government. According to that AP poll, 66% said that they would back presidential age limits. 68% said that they would support age limits for the House and the Senate. And 67% supported a mandatory retirement age for the Supreme Court. Louis DiCipio, a political science professor at UC Irvine, shared more on the possibility of these age limits becoming reality with Odyssey. I, I guess on one hand, it's an interesting argument. On the one hand, you know, people should have the right to vote for whomever they want to vote for, regardless of whatever incapacities the person has or their age. On the other hand, when you have examples of people who are there in the U.S. Senate to help form and then, you know, uh, uh, come up with American policy, domestic and foreign who might not be capable of doing that, is there some solution? Well, I think there is. You know, the Constitution does set some limits on who we can elect. Uh, We can't elect members to the House of Representatives younger than 25 or members of the Senate uh, younger than 30. So it wouldn't be unreasonable, I think, to have a comparable limit on the other end that you, I don't want to set an age, but that you can't elect a person over a certain age. And that would reflect the fact that 
you know, some older people are perfectly competent. And we have lots of examples of that, uh, but some just aren't anymore. And it it might be best for all of us if we came to an agreement around that. Maybe a cognitive test or would that uh, run afoul of you know personal rights and I think that might run afoul of um, our right to choose a, a, a leader. Um, I don't know that the people would be very happy if they, you know, the majority of them uh, elected Senator so-and-so and then uh, an academic who would probably have to give the test were to, you know, were to make the real decision. Um, I think it would be better to have bright line limits. When you do raise the subject of possibly having an age limit, people do tend to go, oh, no, you can't do that. Well, I think part of it is that we've had those those younger age limits for over 200 years. You know, they were part of the original Constitution. So they've sort of been baked into our system by this point. Um, I, I think the challenge for older people is that some older people are amazingly accomplished and amazingly wise. And, you know, we, we would be lucky to have their leadership. Um, but there's a much higher risk. And that, so it's the trade off for the between the the ones that could do phenomenally, and we have examples of that in Congress today, versus um, you know some members who have clearly served past their prime, and you know in the case of of uh, Minority Leader McConnell, not just served in the in the body, but also served in leadership. Some of these uh, lawmakers, once they reach a certain age, and that there are clear signs that they may be slipping in some terms. How much are they really in charge of the decision-making, and how much of this is done by staffers behind the scenes? Because after a while, it's it's not really the, the, the person, it's the people behind them that are really running the show, right? I think that's a great risk. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know anything uh, specifically about Senator Feinstein, but it would appear not just from the, the incident, but from uh, the last several months that her staff are much more uh, engaged and in charge than she is. And that's, that's, that's a fundamental problem in a democracy. We didn't elect the staff. Despite their age, both President Biden and former President Trump maintain that they are in good health and ready to serve as president. The only thing I bring to this career after my age, as you can see how old I am, but is a little bit of wisdom, Biden said earlier this year. He also cracked a joke about having a career that spanned 280 years. Back in 2019, Trump called himself a young, vibrant man, and more recently, he has quipped that life begins at 80. I'm Lauren Barry, and I want to say thanks for listening to the On Deadline podcast, Odyssey's deeper look at a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast to stay informed.